Lord, I thank you um, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. It's not just any other book. It's part of who you are. And you speak by your spirit through your word and bring transformation, change to our hearts and our minds and our lives. And so we invite that to happen this morning as Melissa presents your word, brings your word to us. And we thank you. Just ask your anointing upon her. Thank you that you've anointed her to prepare this message and you'll anoint her to um, bring it. So um, help us to receive it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, one of my goals in life is to, uh, I love travelling, I love seeing new places, which you hear about all the time, but one of my goals is to get every state in Australia. I know it's not a really big goal for a lot of people, but for me, um, especially with having four kids, it's a long journey um, to go really anywhere out of New South Wales. Um, so the last one I've got left is Western Australia, and we've got plans to get there this year. Woo! I'm pretty excited about that. Um, So I thought, wouldn't it be fun today to find out where people have been? So just, uh, I was going to do like a big challenge thing, but why don't you just throw your hand up if you've been to these places? What about the Opera House? You know, been in the Opera House? Inside the Opera House or just outside? Inside? Nice. Okay, Kangaroo Island. South Australia, if you're not sure yet. There's somewhere to go. Put on your list. Val's been there. Robert's been there. Bondi Beach. Yeah? My poor daughter's going, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Warning. Anyone been up Mount Warning? Yeah, it's the place where the sunlight hits the first in Australia. Is that right? Did I make that up? Let's go with it. Byron Bay. I had a date at Byron Bay. <laughs> it's nice, it's nice. What about Longreach? Been to Longreach? Travel across the middle there? Yeah, that's a long way, isn't it? Ooh, a long reach. Correct. What about the 12 apostles? How many did you see? There's <laughs> not many left. <laughs> Get down and see them, otherwise it's just a landmark, not a thing to see. All right, Daintree Rainforest. That's Can- um, up past Cairns, Port Douglas, then you hit Daintree. That. Yeah, Cairns, yeah, that's all right, isn't it? Anyone wish they were in Cairns today? Yeah, I reckon it's something like 30 degrees. We love our eight-degree mornings, don't we? Yes. <laughs> okay, this is a long, long way away, probably the furthest you can get from Long Jetty, Cable Beach, Western Australia. Oh, Val, look at that. Robert, two of you been there. Well done. Anyone got plans to go there? No, me either. Why would you when we've got an awesome beach right here, hey? All right, Uluru. Anyone been to Uluru? Yeah, a few people. And last one, Mount Wellington. Tasmanians. Represent, look at that. Did anyone go on a freezing cold day? It's closed today because of snow. 100 kilometre hour winds today. We thank Jesus that we live on the central coast, don't we? Yes. It's awesome. (laughs) So where have you been? Uh, It's a a saying that we have. I'm not sure it's Australian. I think it's uh, a saying a lot of people have, but we can use it in lots of different contexts. And um, I was thinking about it by emphasising a different word in where have you been. It makes a different question. So... um, 
say someone's running late or has, um, you've run into someone that you haven't seen for a little while, where have you been? Anyone done that one? Yeah, okay. Uh, a parent whose child is getting home later than expected. Where have you been? <laughs> that, where have you been? And what about someone that has returned home for a great adventure or trip? Where have you been? Where have you been? Tell us all about it. So going places, uh, it's exciting, and where have you been is a great question to ask. But when we go away, we get new perspectives, don't we? We, we see things that we haven't seen before, and we experience things we've never experienced before, we try different foods, and, and it's really exciting to do that. For some people, some people would rather stay home, and that's okay too. <laughs> When I was in college training to become a minister and officer in the Salvation Army, uh, they would have this um, experience that they would give everyone every year. They would send you out somewhere to experience different locations and how they ran and and how you would do ministry because we were going to go out and do the same thing. And so to do, um, to get to there, they had to do an announcement. They love a bit of um, ceremony. And so they'd have a big stage and, and all these people in training would be on the stage and you'd stand up, receive where you're going and then sit back down again. Now at that time, Andrew and I had been dating for about a year and um, people knew that we were together and I just assumed that they would put us somewhere near each other so we could see each other. I was a little wrong because I get up there, Andrew goes first, I say, Andrew Humphreys, you're going to this place in Sydney. I'm like, oh, Sydney, that's pretty good. There's lots of places in Sydney I could go to. And then they say, Melissa, you stand up there. They say, you're going to Harvey Bay. I went, where's that? I don't know. Turn around to all my friends sitting behind me. I'm like, what's that? And they're like, a long, long way away. I'm like, oh, it's a long way. Um, And so in that time, uh, we learned a lot about writing letters and phone calls. This was a time before FaceTiming, so, you know, feel sorry for us. Um, we didn't get to FaceTime. Uh, we didn't even have text messaging because mobile phones weren't really a thing that much then, so we would call each other, uh, not very often. But I got to meet a lot of people and have great experiences up in Harvey Bay. We went whale watching, did lots of great things up there. So it was really good for me to learn and learn leadership and be mentored by some great people um, up there. So where have you been uh, is usually people wanting to know uh, what's been happening up until this point. It's usually because you want to know what I've been up to. Now, another category of where have you been is parents uh, putting their eyes on their children and they've got something on their hands or on their body, or around their mouth. You know, where have you been? I've got a few photos. Where have you been, photos? It's all right, my children are not going to be embarrassed by these ones. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Let's see the next one. Where have you been? I reckon they saw the dog first. <laughs> where have you been? Yes. Special, isn't it? Okay, this one's awesome. Try again. Does it say 23 million minutes? I worked it out. That's like 44 years. <laughs> the iPod's been disabled. Who's been touching it? Oh, so spectacular, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yes. The beanbag. Right in there. Uh, the, this, just stay on this one for a sec. The, the dog one's hilarious. Go back one, Tegan. The dog one. 
<laughs> Kids are so funny, hey? <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay, the dog. That's a pretty good job, isn't it? You know, 10 points for effort there. <laughs> Pseudo cream. Oh, terrible. Uh, there's some flour. Beautiful paint. <laughs> I think that's the last one. Isn't it beautiful? So proud of herself. Where have you been? (laughs) Anyone had a kid do that? Yeah. Silence is not golden. (laughs) The Bible talks about having characteristics that people take notice of. And there's a story in the book of Acts uh, and Acts 3 is where it all kind of kicks off. And the background is the followers of Jesus uh, have seen Jesus ascend into heaven and they've hung around and they've received the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've talked about last week, Pentecost Sunday, is when the Holy Spirit came and he came on them in such a way that they were empowered to do amazing things. And this kind of carries on from that. They did all kinds of extraordinary things and all of the, the followers of Jesus were, were doing things. And if it was today, it'd be on all the socials. People would be taking photos and videos and putting them up and showing what these crazy Christians are up to um, and the weird things that are happening. Now, in Acts 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple because they still had this habit of going to the temple every day and praying. So they're on their way to the temple and they notice this disabled man sitting at the gate. He couldn't walk and he was begging uh, for money because he couldn't work and that was his livelihood to do that. And the man stretched out his hand to them and said, will you give? And Peter said to him, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Now the next thing we know, the man's up, um, following him around, dancing and singing and praising uh, in this place that had excluded him his whole life. He was never allowed in the temple because he was disabled. The people who saw what had happened were amazed and Peter preached to the crowd uh, just inside the gate with this newly healed man holding on to him with gratitude. And then mid-sentence, the priests and the temple police show up and they're all annoyed about all this talk about Jesus and the healing and resurrection. They got rid of him only a few weeks ago and now people are still bringing him up. So pretty upset about that. They arrest Peter and John, they throw him into jail uh, for the night And then Peter and John go and talk to the leaders the next day and they have such boldness about them. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he answered the temple leaders, this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he accuses them, he says, this Jesus who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, And then he kind of picks up his Bible metaphorically. He points to Psalm 118.22 and he says, The stone that was rejected has become cornerstone. Except he's saying this stone that was rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. So this guy who was shaky as a leaf only a few weeks ago, he hid when anyone said anything about him being near Jesus. He said, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. This is the guy that, that ran away when Jesus was on trial and the, the rooster crows. That so was this guy. All of a sudden, he's standing in front of these powerful people saying, Jesus, who you crucified, has healed this man. 
Shaky Peter becomes rock solid. Something's going on. People are taking notice of the people that have never really been noteworthy before. So what was making him noteworthy? You've got a sheet on your seat um, with where have you been written at the top. There's some uh, blank spots if you would like to fill in the gaps. Uh, write anything down that God's saying to you. Draw pictures. We don't mind. How God speaks to you is, is perfectly fine. But we're going to look at the noteworthiness of it. People take notice. So the first thing people take notice of is courage. People take notice of courage. The Jewish leaders in Acts 4.13, they were surprised to see how boldly they spoke. Peter and John didn't bow down to public opinion. They didn't bow down to powerful opposition. These leaders actually even threatened them uh, and said, don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. And it says in verse 13 and 14, the leaders couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. I like that. So confident, so sure of themselves. So that's the first things that people notice. People take notice of courage. The second one, people take notice of compassion. So this man sitting at the gate, he hasn't been able to walk. He's, he's, it just doesn't work. He's carried there, put there um, to beg for money, and that's his meal for the day pretty much. He's begging for money. But the compassion that was there in the disciples, they didn't just, like everyone else, everyone else walked into church, everyone else walked past this guy. Peter and John looked at him. They gave him their attention. Sometimes we just need to give people attention, don't we? We just need to look at them, see them. I see you. I see you. I see you. Acts 3, Peter and John stared at him. Look at us, Peter said. However, Peter said to him, I don't have any money, but I give you what I do have. Through the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter took hold of the man's right hand and began to help him up. Immediately, I love the immediately. immediately the man's feet and ankles became strong. How good is that? The greatest indicator that someone has been with Jesus is that they show love to anybody and everybody. And two of our historical figures that have shown compassion so beautifully would be Lady Diana. She loved people so much. And she used her position to love more people. The other person who did that so beautifully was Mother Teresa. She could have been anywhere in the world. She chose to be in India. She chose to be with the poor. She chose to be with them. She wanted to be with the unwanted, the unclaimed and the unloved. And Mother Teresa talked about how she would actually hear Jesus crying from the cross. And that was her motivation to go and help others. She heard Jesus say, I thirst. So she made it her mission to go out and to help people that were thirsty. 
thirsty for contact, thirsty for love, thirsty for care. She left her own comfort to comfort those that no one else wanted to comfort. And when you're on the receiving end of compassion, it'll change your life. Knowing that someone cares, someone's there for you. The third thing people notice, people take notice of commitment. Acts 5.28 was a bit further on. It said, we gave you strict orders not to mention Jesus' name when you teach. Yet, yet, you filled Jerusalem with your teachings. We told you not to do it, but look what you went and did anyway. It's like the Daniel story that Judith was talking about. He was told not to pray. He did it anyway. Committed to Jesus. When we love Jesus and spend time with Jesus and radically follow Jesus, we exhibit a characteristic that's impossible to miss, and that's commitment. Jesus is going to ask us to do things. And when we're committed, we just go do it. You know, the hardest thing for me is I like to argue with God. <laughs> you know, I want to argue with God sometimes. It's not smart, but I do it anyway. God says, go do this. I'm like, but now? <laughs> really? Are you sure? God says, go. Go and do it. Go and do it. Now, sometimes we seem to get commitment a little bit confused with conscience. So we say, I'm so committed. And we, we put our conscience into it and, and we start to, to walk along this really dangerous line that our conscience is telling us the right thing to do. Now, our conscience isn't there to tell us what's right and wrong. Our conscience is there to tell us to do the right thing. But we need to know what the right thing is. We need to know. So don't follow your conscience because you can be wrong in what you believe. You need to follow what God says. That's why we need to get into the word because we need to know. We need to know. H.C. Trumbull wrote this. I thought it was too good, so I'm going to read it to you. Conscience is not given to a man or a woman to instruct him in the right, but to prompt him to choose the right instead of the wrong. It tells a person what he ought to do right, but it doesn't tell him what is right. And if a man has made up his mind that a certain wrong course is the right one, you've got to hear this, the more he follows his conscience, the more hopeless he is as a wrongdoer. Oh, that's sobering, isn't it? We think we know what's right, but sometimes we can be way off track. I think that's our warning because the world tells us to do what you think is right. And that's what God's saying. So hear what God's saying. Follow his word. Unless our conscience is fully and completely surrendered to Jesus, we can adopt new truth that is out of line with God. So what does commitment look like? It looks like I'm all for Jesus. I'm all for Jesus. Not just Sunday, but he has my time, my talents, and my treasure every day, all day, and forever. It's not just giving this part here. I've done my bit for God. It's giving my life to him. We've been talking about uh, tithing in our small group and the question we bumped around a bit was, well, how much do you give? Well, Old Testament was 10%. New Testament is everything. Everything. I give everything to Jesus. I'm going to be committed to preaching the word. Acts 4.20 says, we, can't, we cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard. Oh, 
Isn't that great? We see miracles here at Long Jetty. We hear testimonies of miracles of what God is doing. How good is it to go and share that with others? You know what? My church is awesome. God's doing things. Come. Come. We've got a Friends and Neighbours Day coming up soon. I, I invite you. Don't just take one. Take a whole bunch of them. Give them to all your friends. Surely you've got more than one friend. He said, come. Come and see what God's doing in the lives of people. Now, in this verse, uh, there's a word, the Greek word is uneducated. And I'll, I'll, I'll just kill the Greek word, which is agrametos. Thank you. It, it wasn't nailed at all, but anyway. Um, it means uneducated. And there's another word, which is idiotes, um, which we, we get the word idiot from, but also means common man. Common man. Idiotes. Together, what they meant was Peter and John had no formal training. So these Jewish leaders were looking at Peter and John, who showed up at the temple, that spoke boldly, and they say, who are these guys? They're just common people. They have no formal training. What they don't recognize is they've just been knocking around with Jesus for three years, who would be the best teacher in all history, teaching them how to love people, how to show compassion, how to show care, how to... Connect in with the power of God and see amazing things happen. And there's a temptation for us today to place learning higher than we really should. We don't need to worship academics. But we also don't need to say you don't need any training either. We need to sit in the middle. We need to know our Bibles. We need to study them. We need to learn them. We need to know what God is saying in them. Peter and John were ordinary, average people. And under any other circumstances, they probably wouldn't have drawn any attention. They weren't attractive. They didn't stand out from the crowd in any way. They were just fishermen. But when the crowd gathered, when this guy was healed, they seized the moment to share about Jesus. And these religious leaders just couldn't figure them out. They couldn't deny the healing happened because the guy was right there. Everyone knew this guy because he'd been sitting at the temple for years. They knew it had happened. They couldn't deny their boldness. And they were astonished by the boldness of Peter and John. They weren't impressed with their background. And they realised they'd been with Jesus. There's a difference between being around Jesus, being with Jesus. There's a difference between being around Christians and being with Jesus. You can sit here every week for 20 years. It's not going to make you a Christian until you're with Jesus. There's a difference between being around the church and being with Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, you must seek Spirit of Christ. We're not going to become Christ-like by accident, nor does it happen by osmosis or by hanging around church or going through all the religious motions. What made them so noteworthy was they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. The Passion Translation says the religious leaders began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply 
by spending time with them. Beautiful, isn't it? Simply by spending time with him. So if you see compassion, you'll know that they've been with Jesus. If you see courage, you'll know that they've been with Jesus. If you see commitment, you'll know they've been with Jesus. So my question today is when people look at you, what do they see? Do they see someone who has been with Jesus? And probably the most important question you'll ever be asked is where have you been? Where have you been? Can people tell that I have been with Jesus? Now, we all come from different backgrounds. And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe God gets us to this point for a reason. And the reason you're hearing this message today is no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been with, do you want to be with Jesus? Do you want to be with Jesus? Uh, There's a a prayer I'm going to put up. And you might like to pray this prayer with me. Um, Why don't we get, just get everyone to close their eyes. Actually, how are you going to pray the prayer with me? Let's repeat it after me. Let's close your eyes. (laughs) Repeat it after me. All right. If you would like to be with Jesus today, if you would like to be with Jesus, start with a prayer. Start with receiving Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. Invite him in and start this beautiful journey of love and acceptance and transformation with him. Why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I need you and I believe in you and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for giving me life and eternity. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that in your heart today, genuinely, you are saved. Okay? It is that easy for that to happen. And I encourage you to write that on your care card that you've made that decision today for the first time or a recommitment today. That's fine as well. We want to support you in that. But that's how easy it starts to become a Christian. And then we just learn how to walk with him. We just picture Jesus with you as you walk out to your car today. While you're driving, if you're by yourself, have a conversation with him. Just picture him sitting right there. Say, Jesus, you know what? I'm heading to this meeting today. I'm picking up my kids today and I'm not ready to see them yet. All right? (laughs) This thing's going on. Jesus, I need your help. And then start listening. And he'll start speaking. And then you get the Bible. And you read the most magnificent book of promises. And stories showing you that other people mess up too. And it's okay because you're in there with them. Jesus got a word for each of us. He's got a word. I have a a very good friend who lives overseas. And we've been very, very good friends for many, many years. And we've shared together in many of our life's ups and downs and whatever else. But one thing I've noticed is when she's living overseas, she's lived in Australia a lot over that time. But when she lives overseas, it's really hard for me to get the time to call. FaceTime or whatever I need to do. And the, just, the, the, we're still friends. We're still very good friends. Whenever we catch up, we catch up and it's so wonderful, um, whether we're in person or online. But then I forget and I get busy and life just starts to overwhelm me. And then I remember, I've got this friend I'd love to chat with. 
And then we get back together and our hearts reconnect again and we just love talking to each other and counselling each other and, and pulling each other up on things. And, but I don't do it enough. And I think my relationship suffers because of that. I just don't do it enough. And sometimes we do that with God. Life just gets in the road. And we're all well-meaning, we're good friends with God, but life just gets in the road. And God's saying, I'm here. I just want you to call me. I'll be there in an instant if you just recognise and acknowledge that I'm here with you. So today, as, as Nate comes up, I want to ask if you would use this time to spend with Jesus. You might want to lie down. You might want to come and kneel at the front. You might want to lift your hand. You might want to cling to the cross if you need to do that. But come and spend time so that people will know you have been with Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to stretch out our arms today and just say, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our decision-making. We need you in our relationships. We need you in every day. And I'm so sorry, Lord, for the times that I don't give you enough of my attention. But I need you. Jesus, I pray today that you'll just show us how easy it is for us to connect with you, to hear your voice to speak to you. There's no judgment. There's just love. We've been set free. We're walking a new way and we're walking that with you. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to minister us to us today. Take away the anxiety. Take away the fear. Take away the way that we tear ourselves down and help us just to see there's a clear path to our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be with you today, Jesus. Amen. Come and respond. Come and respond. Come and respond to him today.